Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. This morning is a, uh, it's an important morning for us, um, and it's important because of the topic, and it's important because of um, the circumstances that we've been experiencing around this topic. And so I'll talk more about that. But um, I want to share with you guys that a couple of years ago, I had um, I, hard, I started having a series of interactions with this person uh, who I was pretty close to in my life. And I could tell that something was not right with this person. I could just tell that they were really, really in a bad place emotionally and Something was up, and something wasn't right. And so in interaction after interaction after interaction with them, um, things just seemed to get worse and worse and worse between us, and it just seemed to, like, escalate. And so I I ended up getting to the point where I'm like, this is crazy. I'm just going to sit down with them, and we're going to get this thing worked out once and for all. And so I, you know, we met together, and I said, hey, what, you know, like, if I have done anything wrong, please forgive me. Like, I, I want to make this right, whatever it is. And so I, uh, you know, I asked for forgiveness for whatever it is that I could think of. Um, and that didn't go anywhere at all. They just got more angry. And then I tried to apply uh, that proverb that says that a gentle word will turn away wrath. And so I was gentle with this person and caring towards them. And that went literally nowhere at all. They just continued to escalate. And I just was like befuddled. I didn't know what to do. And as we were, uh, actually, as this person was kind of like coming after me, um, all of a sudden I felt the Lord say, this isn't a relational issue, this is a spiritual issue, and you need to deal with it in spirit. And so I, in the, right in the middle of this, it just occurred to me that that was exactly right. And so I, I looked at the person, and I said, in the name of Jesus, Satan, and every power, and every principality, and every lying spirit, I bind you, and I cast you out right now. You have to go. And I said that right to the person. And at the very moment that I said that, they burst into tears, and they threw their arms around me, and they started hugging me, and they cried in my arms for about three minutes or so. And they stepped away, and we were completely reconciled. And there was this lifting off of them, and they were peaceful and we, were, and we were back together again, and they felt completely free. They felt completely relieved. And I felt totally shocked, right? I was like, what just happened there? And obviously, what happened is, is that this person literally went, I wish you could have been there. They went from utter rage to total relief in about 0.3 seconds. That's what happened. And I walked away from that experience learning a couple of things. One of the things that I learned is that what we see in the natural is certainly not all of what's going on in life. It is certainly not all of what's going on. As a matter of fact, um, as I was processing this moment with this person, I realized that I had been misinterpreting the situation altogether. Like, at first, I thought that the problem was something that I had done. Like, I had done something wrong, and that was the problem. And when I tried to clear that away, it went nowhere. Then I thought, this person's a jerk. <laughs> that's, what, that's the issue. They're just a jerk, right? And I discovered that that wasn't it 
at all. And in fact, what I came to realize is that there had been some sort of a spirit, some sort of a demonic spirit that had been inflicting this person and tormenting this person and causing them harm and lying, lying and accusing them. And when we did that spiritual work of just you know binding that thing and casting it out in the name of Jesus, they were suddenly relational. They were suddenly like relieved and loving, and we be, we, we uh, reinitiated our friendship. And so I learned a lot about how powerful the name of Jesus is. How powerful, absolutely powerful the name of Jesus is. Not only to conquer the enemy in the spirit, but to set the person free in front of me. And it was mind-blowing to see the spiritual and sort of the real, right? The spiritual and the tangible interact so powerfully. And so I, I really learned a lot from that. And so we, as you guys know, have been digging into um, the book of Acts. And we've been learning a lot about how the church was birthed and how it began and how the church began to grow and all of the issues and the challenges that they faced. And one of the things that we're going to learn is that the early church, in spite of its incredible growth, that thing grew and proliferated in the midst of unbelievable adversity. And so much of the adversity that they were dealing with, hey, would you guys shut the back door for me? Thanks. And so much of the adversity that they were dealing with was spiritual in its nature. And so we're going we're gonna, to uh, look at that today, okay? And I believe, you guys, that as a church that is going after God and as a church that is leaning into becoming mature, right, becoming mature followers of, of Jesus, we need to become a people who are very aware of what is happening in the spiritual realm. And not only do we need to be aware of what's happening in the spiritual realm, but we need to... Uh, learn how to be victorious in that place. We need to learn how to fight and be victorious there if we want to be victorious here. Does that make sense? We need to learn to be victorious in the spirit if we're going to be victorious in the, in the natural. And the Bible is clear that there is this overlap, right? There's an overlapping between the natural realm and the spiritual realm, the physical one. And we live in both, and both realms impact our lives. And so, like I said, if we want to be victorious here, we are going to have to learn to be victorious there. So we're going to look at some uh, scripture today. I want to show you guys, and this is kind of like a 101, and one of my big applications at the end of this um, is going to be to actually direct you to two of these summer seminars that we're going to be hosting, and those are going to be really, really, really helpful to you um, in this regard. But today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the scripture and I want to show you briefly who Satan is according to the scripture, who the demons are. And I know that this might be a refresher for a lot of you guys, but I want us to be on the same page. Okay, so we're going to look at who Satan is, who the demons are. Then I want to look at how Paul and Jesus dealt with the, the demonic in the book of Acts and in the gospels. And then I want to kind of close out by showing you the authority that you actually carry over the demonic, the authority that Jesus gave you that you carry in the spirit. And we're going to draw from the scripture on all of that stuff. So um, when I refer to like demonic influence, what I mean is, is literally that. It's influence. When the Bible talks about uh, the demonic stuff, it, ref it, re it refers to varying levels of influence. It's not, the Bible doesn't talk about uh, the demonic as if, 
a person is completely possessed by the devil or they're completely clean and they have no you know, issues or whatever. The Bible shows us that there's kind of a, almost a spectrum where people can just have like minor issues of harassing spirits to a range where some people, because of the things that they've done, uh, because of the things that they've opened themselves up to, they can have demonic strongholds in their life, okay, Even, and still be Christians. So there is a range there, okay? But I, I want you guys to just think for your own lives for a moment, just the way that, um, in so, sort of with my opening story, have you ever wondered, have you ever noticed how sometimes in your life where things seem to be just cruising along really, really well, and maybe things are going actually exceptionally well, Maybe you're, you're getting much closer to God. Maybe you're, you find yourself in pursuit of God and you feel like you're getting close to a breakthrough in some particular area, whether it's just in your own heart, your own relationship with God, or maybe you've been ministering to someone else. And just when things seem to be going along really, really swimmingly, um, especially spiritually, have you ever noticed how things just occasionally just blow the heck up? Have you guys ever noticed that? We're like catastrophe hits out of nowhere and, and one thing after another after another happens and we find ourselves going, what is going on, right? And I, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I kind of, I think to myself, there has to be something else going on. I know that you guys have experienced circumstances in your life where you knew this is not just normal. Something else is happening here. And I know for us, uh, for us Christians, we, we often in, in America, we don't have too much of a paradigm for that. Sometimes even as Christians, we get confused about stuff like that. But, but in, the, in the Bible, people had a real clear understanding of what this, stu- what this stuff was and what was going on. And people in Jesus' day, this made perfect sense to them. But for us, sometimes we get confused about our circumstances, especially in the wider church. But I want to say to, you, to us, you guys, that ignorance in this area is not bliss. Ignorance in this area is actually really, really dangerous to us. Ignorance uh, to the spiritual realm costs us dearly. And the reason it costs us so much is because Satan is working covertly to keep us in bondage. He's working night and day to keep us in bondage to all kinds of things, to depression, to discouragement, to addictive behavior, to pornography, to all kinds of things. And if we are not aware of the battle that is taking place and what the enemy is doing or what the enemy wants to do, we will largely live into the plans of the enemy for us. And so we pay a dear price for it. I like this quote from C.S. Lewis, because, you know, we're like a regular group of people here, right? We're not like uh, nutcases on either side of the spectrum. And so for the regular people in the room, uh, C.S. Lewis said this. He said, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils or about demons. One is to disbelieve their existence altogether. And the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves, the demons, they're equally pleased by both errors and they hail the materialist or someone who uh, only believes in the physical world or the magician, which is someone who sees a demon around every corner. They're happy, they, you know, they welcome them with the same delight, right? So we can fall off both sides of the horse. But generally, I believe, you guys, that Americans, that we are what Lewis would call materialists, right? I mean, Madonna said it. We're living in a material world, right? Anybody know that song? Can anybody sing that song? Okay. Okay. All right. That's right. We are living in a material world, right? 
And I want to say that in the church, we don't give the spiritual world a fraction of the attention that Jesus gave it. We don't give the spiritual world a fraction of the attention that we see in the book of Acts and in the letters and things like that. And what uh, Ryan shared with us a couple of weeks ago was that there's a growing number of Americans that don't believe in a spiritual world at all, which I get and I don't get at the same time because there's so much that happens in life that is actually best explained if you can believe that there's something else going on. Sometimes it's hard to imagine that what we're experiencing is just sort of like normal life, right? But even here in the church, there's a large group of people who, if not totally, at least functionally, they only believe in two types of beings. They believe in God, and they believe in us. And functionally, they don't really have a middle ground for that. But of course, most of the world disagrees with them now and throughout history. And more importantly, the Bible teaches a really, really different story. And so all throughout Scripture, we see not one, but three types of beings at work. One, not one, but three types of beings at work, both in heaven and on earth. Of course, we have one, one type of being is God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The second group of people that we're aware of and really familiar is people, human beings, right? And then the third group are dogs, and all dogs go to heaven. You with me? I'm just checking to make sure you're here. Okay, that's not what I, I didn't mean to say that. That was an accident. No, the third group, the third part is of God's creation are spirits, right? Spirits, and what we roughly call them angels and demons, though the Bible describes like an incredible variety of created spiritual beings with different names and different titles and different purposes. Uh, they probably look different, and you guys will learn more about that over the summertime. Um, and so there are three sort of created spiritual beings, but the ones that we're most familiar with are angels and demons. Angels and demons have the most interaction uh, with people, biblically and even today. So God will send angels to communicate with people, to do his bidding. And then in the Gospels in particular, we see um, demonic influences, demons, you know, messing with people all the time. And so everywhere that Jesus went, one of the first things that he did is he cleaned house spiritually. So we're familiar with angels and demons. So, so what, where did these things come from, right? Well, in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, it says this. It says that God created uh, angels, angelic beings that are so numerous that they can't possibly be counted, okay? And so there are th these incredibly powerful, innumerable spiritual beings that, that, uh, that, G that God created, and a huge number of them uh, left God and rebelled against him because of one particular spiritual being who was called Lucifer. We see that in the book of Isaiah. And he actually rebelled against God, and he took a third of the angels with him. So I want to give you the, the, the biblical background on Lucifer or on the devil, okay? So here's what it says. This, the, the devil or Satan, he was not always the devil in Satan. He was at once an angel of God. And so in Isaiah chapter 14, starting at verse 12, it says this. And this is God speaking about the devil or to the devil through Isaiah. And God says this, how you have fallen from heaven. Morning star, son of the dawn. That was his name. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to earth. You who once laid low the nations. 
You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And by the way, the stars of God are often referring to actually other uh, angels, spiritual beings. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend to the tops of the clouds and I will make myself like the Most High. That is Satan. And so Satan was this incredibly powerful, beautiful, angelic being of some sort, and he wanted to be God. And so we rebelled against God. And we find out later that he took a third of that myriad of angels with him. And so if we go to Revelations chapter 12, it, it's kind of like woven into this chapter, and I'm kind of condensing it for us here. But in Romans, uh, Revelation chapter 12, uh, John describes the devil as an, an enormous dragon. His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. Those are the demons. The great dragon was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And so here on earth, we have an overlap of the natural and material world and the spiritual world. And we have this one called Satan which, by the way, his actual title in the Hebrew is the Satan because his real name is the adversary. Satan means adversary. And so he was called the Satan, but we just call him Satan. So Satan, the adversary, fell from, uh, you know, turned his back on God and rebelled against God along with a whole host of other demons. And so we experience that. And so when Jesus came to earth, he came and he, he came to go to war against the enemy, right? He came to go to war against Satan and this third of the, uh, of the angels that had fallen and were now wreaking havoc. And so I always refer, I feel like I literally quote this verse, um, like nine out of 10 of my sermons. I don't even care what I'm talking about. I just keep going to John 10, 10. I don't know why, but it's, it's actually relevant in this sermon. So Jesus said, Jesus said as a declaration of his purpose and what was going on in John 10, 10, he said, the thief who is the accuser, who is the adversary, who is the Satan, the thief comes only to what? What does it say? Steal, kill, and destroy. And he says, but I came that they may and have it abundantly, right? The clashing of kingdoms, the kingdom of God in Jesus and his angels, and Satan's kingdom and his purpose executed by these spiritual beings. And so so Paul says in his writings to us, uh, he says this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, and this is for, for all of us, it's for each of us. He says, a final word, be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you may be able to stand firm against all of the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, against authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And by the way, those are all sort of different titles in different forms and different kind of like positions of the demonic right there, okay? And so that's what I learned when I was dealing with this person that I was telling you about. I thought I was fighting. I thought I was getting resistance from a person, but I wasn't getting resistance from a person. I was getting resistance from some unseen enemy. That's what was happening. I was fighting an adversary that I couldn't see. 
And so today I want us to look at sort of the clashing of kingdoms as we're in this book of uh, Acts. And I want to show you how it shook down with Paul. And it's a pretty like sensational moment in, the, in Paul's missionary story. So we're in Acts chapter 13, starting at verse 4. And here we have Saul. Uh, Saul's, Paul's uh, Hebrew name is Saul. Okay, And so halfway through the book of Acts... Saul turns into Paul. It's actually right in this chapter. So Saul and Barnabas were on their first missionary journey. And so they're go out and, they're, and they're, they went out and they're proclaiming the gospel. And it, so it says this in, in uh, chapter 13. So the two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed there to Cyprus. By the way, I think it's interesting that it was the Holy Spirit who sovereignly says to, to Paul and to, to go. Like, the Holy Spirit tells him. It's not Jesus telling him to go. It doesn't say that God the Father told him. It's the Holy Spirit sovereignly says, now you go here. Okay? So the Holy Spirit sends them. And it says, when they arrived in Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. And John was with, their, as, with them as their helper. And that's John Mark, the guy that wrote the, wrote the book of, of Mark. Verse 6. They traveled through the whole island uh, until they came to Paphos. And there they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. Now, a proconsul, I would uh, liken a proconsul to a governor of our day. Okay, so he's like a governor. And so uh, it says that this Jewish sorcerer was a false prophet, and he was an attendant to this Roman proconsul, Sergius Paulus. And the proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of the Lord. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that's what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Now listen, here's the power, here's the, the war, here's the battle right here. Then Saul who was also called Paul for the first time here, filled with the Holy Spirit, he looked straight at Elymas and he said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the ways of the Lord? And now the hand of the Lord is against you. You will be blind uh, for a time and not even able to see the light of the sun. And immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. And when the proconsul saw what happened, he believed and he, for he was amazed about the teaching of the Lord. This is kind of crazy, right? And so Paul and Barnabas, they're on their first missionary journey. They end up in Cyprus, which by the way, I think we should do a field trip as a church to Cyprus because it's an island in the Mediterranean and they actually were just voted to have the cleanest waters in all of Europe. So, like this next week, okay? But we're, first, we're going to need an offering. <laughs> okay. So, so they're in Cyprus, and it's it's a it's an island just a little bit uh, uh, what is that west of Turkey, I think. Uh, so it's this beautiful island, and they get there, and they go to the capital city, and apparently God has a divine appointment. He has an important meeting for them because this proconsul is open to the gospel. And you guys can imagine, strategically, it would be powerful if the, the governor of that area came to faith. It would be easier for them to spread the gospel if they found favor with someone that was a leader. But of course, all of the good things of God always, always go um, 
you know, tested. They always get resisted. When we endeavor to, to advance God's kingdom, do you guys believe that we can nearly always expect some sort of pushback? That we can always expect a battle? And probably the more important the situation, the more battle we can expect. And so right away, the sorcerer steps up and there's this encounter between Paul and the sorcerer, right? Well, Paul does this amazing thing, and that is that the Holy Spirit speaks through him, and this, Paul knows this guy's whole situation. He knows the spirits that are, that are living in him, and so Paul immediately rebukes the enemy, uh, through this guy Elymas, and he silences Elymas and the demons that were influencing him, and were, by causing him to go blind for a period of time, which is actually pretty unusual scripturally. But what, when Sergius Paulus, the, the proconsul, sees this, he immediately puts his faith in God, right? But what I want us to see is I want us to see how lopsided this encounter was. What I want us to see is who holds the power and who doesn't hold the power, right? Because this lopsided uh, type of encounter is what we see all throughout the Gospels whenever the demonic encountered the kingdom of God. And I, I, I just want to share with you guys that this morning... Molly alluded to it, but we had uh, a heck of a morning getting here today, right? And so we got the phone call at, I don't know what time it was, 8 o'clock or something, that there was no uh, air conditioning in here. It was 87 degrees in this room, and the whole staff, you know, the tech guys, the sound guys, everybody, the worship, we're all scrambling, trying to figure out what are we going to do. And uh, at a certain point, we thought, we talked about canceling. We talked about, like, moving everything downstairs and just doing small groups or putting people outside. We didn't know what was going to happen. But at some point this morning, um, because I was thinking about my sermon, I thought, maybe this is spiritual. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, I, I was in my bathroom brushing my teeth, and I just said, in the name of Jesus, uh, I bind you, Satan. Every power, every principality, whatever is going on here that is coming against our having a fruitful meeting, you have to go, you have to stop right now in the name of Jesus. So I said that little prayer, and that's about how long it was. And five minutes later, I got a phone call saying that uh, Andrew got the AC working. And I believe, do you know where I'm going? I believe there is a spiritual component to all this. Do you, would you agree with that? That on the morning that we're talking about this, the enemy sort of foolishly kicks himself up. And by the way, this morning, out of nowhere, Molly called me because I was late. She's like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm having GI distress. <laughs> like, I'm, something's going on with my guts. You know, so it's like all these little things going on. And I just knew that there was like some sort of a spiritual component. And so um, faithfully, I just said, no way. I'm not standing for this. And so I did that spiritual work, and here we sit. And you guys are okay, right? And that's how God works. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> I'll give you one more. Matthew chapter 8, verses 28. When Jesus arrived on the other side of the region of the Gadarenes, he was met by two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs, and they were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God, they shouted. Have you come to torture us before the appointed time? And in the distance, a large herd of pigs was feeding. And so the demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, will you send us into the herd of pigs? Go, he told them. And so they went out, uh, and so they came out, and they went into the pigs. And that whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, 
and died in those waters. And I want you to see where the power is. I want you to see who holds the power. When Jesus shows up, those powerful demons that were so powerful that no person could pass by, they were nothing compared to the power of Jesus. And they did exactly what he told them to do. And I'm like, wow, that is amazing. That kind of power is available to us. But I sort of feel like like we in the church, we are reluctant to delve into the spiritual realm I think sometimes because we think it's weird. I think we're reluctant to delve into it because we feel like it's scary. Or maybe we, we, we don't get into it because we're just unsure of ourselves. We don't understand it. But I believe, you guys, that turning a blind eye to this stuff is costing us a lot. And too often what happens is, is because we don't confront what is happening in the spiritual, we actually end up not seeing the breakthroughs that God is promising us because it, it's simply not available to us until we take care of the demonic. So many of the things that God wants to do in our lives will not come to pass until we sweep the place clean. And so what we've done, so many churches, and probably to some degree in here, we've reduced down to the gospel and we've reduced down the promises of God until the Christian mission is just to help people to feel a tiny bit better or it's just to comfort them in their affliction. We have no actual expectation or hope that they will receive a breakthrough. We just want to help them to cope with the life that they're experiencing. And when we do that, we've conceded defeat to the devil. That's all that we've done. Too many of us are just taking what the devil gives us and we're not living into the promises of God. That's just a reality in the church. But what we see in the Old Testament, what we see in the Gospels, what we see in the book of Acts and everywhere else is that newness of life is available to us. Newness of life is available, but transformation can only come through confrontation. Transformation so often can only come through confrontation. And when Jesus showed up to places, the first thing that he did is he confronted the enemy. And once that was done, ministry could begin. Transformation can often only come through confrontation. And it is true of us. Breakthrough, healing, newness of life will come when we confront and when we defeat our enemies. And so we cannot concede to the devil and his demons the territory that they want in our lives and still live the abundant life that we're called to live and invited to live in. Jesus said that darkness and light cannot and will not hang out together. You have to dispel one or the other. And so how did Paul deal with it? Well, when Paul encountered Elymas, I want you guys to know too that my first inclination would be to probably to try to build a bridge. Maybe it would be to try to win him to faith in Christ. Maybe it would be to try to placate him a little bit. That's not what Paul did at all. He just looked at the enemy inside and said, you're out of here, right? And that brings us, you guys, to this really important idea or topic of authority. Authority. Who has the authority, right? That's what all this depends on. So authority is the power and it's the right to give orders, to make decisions, and to enforce obedience. That's what authority is. It's the right and the power to give orders and to enforce obedience. And so who has the authority? Well, the Bible will tell you that all authority has been given to who? Jesus, that's exactly right. So Matthew chapter 28 verse 8 says this, Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Philippians chapter 2 verse 10 says, At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, both in heaven and on earth. 
In Matthew chapter 10, it says, Jesus called the 12 uh, disciples to him and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. A few verses later in verse 7, he says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. So heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons because freely you have been given, now freely, or freely you have received, now freely give. And the last verse I want to throw at you right now is John 14, starting at verse 12. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. And so what I want us to begin to believe and lean into and exercise is that you have been given the authority of Jesus over the spiritual realm. You've been given the very authority of Christ. You carry the spirit of Christ and you carry the name of Jesus and that name has power. And when we unleash that, when we do business in the spiritual realm, when we start to go to battle, when we speak the name of Jesus, that name has efficacy and it has power. And so here's how it works out in my life. And I just want to encourage you. It is not infrequent at all. As a matter of fact, probably two or three times this week and probably two or three times Every week, I find myself in a situation where I'm uh, dealing with a person, oftentimes here at Thrive or maybe in my neighborhood or whatever, I'm dealing with a person who is going through something. And the things that they're going through are intense and they're heartbreaking and they're painful and they're bewildering. Like if you have a family of 200 people, there's always stuff going on, right? And so there's always stuff going on. And oftentimes as I'm listening to what's happening I'm realizing in my mind, well, there's a lot more going on here than just eight different things, bad things happened to you this week, right? Like, it's not just that your car broke down, you just got COVID, you know what I mean? Like seven things in a row. No, there's got to be more happening. And so what I often find myself doing when I pray for people is I, I pull over for a moment and I say, we're just going to do a little bit of spiritual warfare here. And I stop and I say, okay, I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus to, to just get rid of any demonic stuff that's happening in your life. And so I'll just say, Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would bind every power, every principality, every spiritual authority, every harassing spirit. If I get a sense of what it is specifically, if it's a spirit of bitterness or anger or whatever that is, I'll speak that out loud. And I'll just say, in the name of Jesus, I bind you and I cast you out and you have to go and you cannot come back. Amen. Like literally, that's it. I just prayed in the name of Jesus. And, and what we believe and what we see in scripture is that the house is swept clean at that moment, that, they, that something is broken off. And I believe that. And sometimes it gets messy and we can talk about that later. But for the most part, just doing that work is incredibly powerful. But then the other thing I end up doing uh, is I, I, I think it's important to pray in more of the Holy Spirit. Because very often what Jesus will tell us, I actually have the scripture here, is that when we get rid of something, it sort of leaves like an open space in your life, right? Open space in your heart. And we want that space to be filled with the Holy Spirit because of this. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 43, Jesus is kind of teaching about the spiritual stuff, about like spiritual warfare. And he says this, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert or other, other translations say it goes into arid places. So I don't know where that is. But when the evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert, seeking rest, but finding none. And then it says, I'll return to the person I came from. And so it returns and finds its former home empty, swept, 
and in order. And then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so the person is worse off than before. This will be the experience of this evil generation. And so knowing that, as a practice of how I pray, doing spiritual warfare, I just ask God to come and fill that person particularly. I ask the Holy Spirit, would you come and minister powerfully in this person? Would you protect them from any harassing things that want to happen? Okay, so that's just how I do it. And so this morning, as I wrap up, I, I want to just... I want us to grow, church, and, and I want us to, to engage in the spiritual realm at, at least to some degree the way that Jesus did it. At least, you know, we see it all over the Gospels, and if we don't see it all over our church, then there's, there's a gap there. And I want us to be free. I want us to be free from the bondage that the enemy wants to put us in. And so I, want, I hope that these words that I've said, I hope that you will take them to heart. I hope that you will start to do spiritual warfare and, and just be, get curious. Like, is there something spiritual in this situation? And again, we're not a church that's like everything is spiritual. Like, you know what I mean? Like every bush, everything that happens is like a spirit. That's not where we're at. But probably we are missing what's actually happening in the spiritual. And so my encouragement to you is when you're dealing with a hard situation, pull over. And ask God, is there a spiritual thing that's happening? Give me a little bit of discernment. And if you feel like there might be, then just do that spiritual work of, of binding and casting out the enemy. And it's, it's a little bit of churchy language, but it's, it works. And it's how God teaches us to do it. So you've got to get out of here in the name of Jesus. So pray that, okay? Uh, and then I want to give you just one last uh, um, sort of application here. Do we have the dates? What's my last slide? I don't know if we've got it. Here are the summer seminars that, that we're going to be hosting. Uh, Wendy is going to be teaching these, and she is very, very, very well educated in this topic. And I want us to grow to maturity, and she'll talk about things that I can't get to on a Sunday morning. But if you're interested, those are the specific dates uh, for those seminars, and I think those are going to be really, really helpful to you. Amen? All right, why don't we stand up, and I'm going to pray with and for you guys. Um, and there's a direction that I want to go as we pray together. This was kind of a, um, a reminding and equipping um, practical type of a sermon, but I want, us, um, I want us to move into just allowing the Spirit of God to minister to us. I want us to move into just a place of opening up our hearts, and opening up our spirits, opening up our lives, really, as an open book to the Spirit of Jesus. I know for a lot of us, there are areas of our lives where we have felt in bondage. There are areas of our lives where we have felt sort of under the heel of the enemy where we felt like we have not been able to get the breakthrough where we've not been able to get free where we've not been able to experience the new abundant life that Jesus promises to us and so right now we're going to together we're going to do a little bit of spiritual warfare right now knowing that Jesus gave us his authority 
to cast out, to get rid of any demonic influence, whether it's just a harassing spirit uh, or even if it's something more significant than that. Jesus is more powerful. He holds all the power. And so I just want to encourage you just to, to open up your heart and whatever that area is in your life where you just have felt discouraged, enslaved, unable to, to, to move forward, unable to get a breakthrough, where you felt like you've got addiction in your life, where you've got uh, any sort of besetting issue that's lasted for a really long time. And so we just pray, would you come Holy Spirit and just begin to minister to us right now? And I pray that where we've been almost fearful to let go, I pray that you would give us a just just confidence and peace and a desire to be truly free. And Lord, for myself and for every person in this room, Lord, we bind every uh, lying spirit. We bind every harassing spirit. We bind every demonic assignment. Lord, whether it's uh, discouragement or despair or suicide or... um, pornography or alcoholism or any other thing, Lord, whatever it is, we bind that stuff in the name of Jesus. And by the authority of Jesus, we cast it out. We say, you have to go and you cannot come back. Lord, I thank you that uh, whom the spirit sets free is free indeed. And so Lord, we are just leaning right now, trusting that as we get rid of this stuff and say, you have to get out of my life right now that we are free. And so we pray, Lord, that that, um, as we are are just getting ourselves freed up right now and that this is really, really real, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would fill, especially in the places where you weren't uh, invited to go, especially fill us in the places where we weren't allowing you to enter into our hearts, enter into our lives. Lord, we welcome you in every, just every part of our heart, Lord. Every chamber of our heart, every cell of our body welcomes you right now. The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. So Lord, just overwhelm us with your perfect love. And I, I just pray, Lord, that we would walk out of here kind of, two inches taller, that we would walk out of here more free, 